Tell me how to say ladies and gentlemen in gender neutral terms. Hey yo. Hey yo. Hey yo. All right, you guys, podcast time. We got the equipment and the perfect business plan. Give our show away for free and tell no one how to find it. Ready? Get in there. You will deal with that Atlas harshly. Fight forever, Guardian. I think he broke it. What you made me do? And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, I regret spending all this money on a hobby. And no one in the world ever, in the history of the world, part ones and twos, has ever spent money on their hobby. Hobbies are free completely. No one has ever spent money on their hobby. Well, actually, a lot of people spend money on their hobby. It's just the lonely little basement dwelling chuds that don't know what a hobby is that uh, I'm addressing right now. I will only name them by name on Twitter. I will never address them again except for on here because, as we're saying at the start of the show, we is tagging twats. Uh, I'll get into that in a second for a brief introduction. I am here with Craig Lagans. Um I won't do the intro this time because uh, that screwed up the outro later. Uh, so here we are, HIC Talk Radio. So as I'm getting this past week, uh, unfortunately, I don't take uh, this is not joyous for me. This is this doesn't make me happy. Uh, but on, uh, another wrestler. Uh, He's a cokehead that abused his wife and his ex-wife. How about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To make a long story short, too late. Um, uh, so one of the promoters saw the evidence and decided to drop him. Word got out. More promoters were dropping him to the point where Mr. Uh, Mr. Richards said after this weekend he's retiring and I deny these allegations, uh, unfortunately against the proof that's out there and the court documents that is also out there. If any of you fuckers on Twitter knew how to fucking search anything while you're doing that, that's why I'm doing this for a hobby and you wish you could be doing this for a living. Uh, Cause they don't need it anyway. Um, all of that is out there for you, for you to find. And I simply mentioned that uh, Mr. Richards will not be uh, not doing so hot. And out of the woodwork came these pieces of shit who said it was uh... and preface this, Craig. These people are not standing up for anything righteous. Righteous? I'm going to get this out right. They're not standing up for anything righteous. They don't care about Davy Richards. What they care about is they want to know the juicy details. It's all they want. That's all it's about. They're not in it for... It's clout. That's what they're in it for, clout. They're not in it for anything else. 
or any big righteous position they wanted to know from someone who was in the know. And again, all they had to do was use their search feature. Not that special. Not that special. And of course, because of that, I'm the cloud chaser. Well, yes, all those numbers I'm chasing clout from, all those millions of listens and the big money sponsorships that you and I have, Craig. That's the that's the clout we're chasing. Woo-wee! Love it. Um, no, uh, so I want to tell these assholes if they're even listening, if they can even figure out how to hit the button to play. Uh, I know the internet's hard for some. Um the reason why I don't get involved anymore is because it did and it didn't get me anything. But grief. I didn't ask for anything from this. I was just speaking my mind about things that bothered me. First of all, one of those people is Sammy Callahan. Sammy Callahan is a spousally, spousal abusing piece of shit who's also shaped like a hefty bag. And Mr. Johnson, I'm not afraid of you. I don't give a fuck if you get mad about this. It'd be best, it would be in your best interest to just block me if you ever come across this. Okay. Uh, used to, when he was married to my friend, ex wife, uh, we're not going to get her involved anymore. She's been on this show where she told these stories. Um, abused. What happened? We got attacked. She got ostracized with the business. He gets on TV and is champion. No accountability, no responsibility. I'm not going to dignify them with the name because they're only mentioned about once a year by everyone on Twitter and then they're forgotten about because this one tournament that used to be run by the original promoter 26 years ago and it's still being run. It used to be in Delaware, now it's South Jersey because not even stinky Delaware wants them. Uh, was employing a registered sex offender. This camera guy, when we were working with them and with New Moon Rising across the river, well, up the river, um, was harassing fans online, being a bully, being mean, attacking verbally, going to meetups and, you know, start in trouble. And once we started getting involved, like, hey, <laughs> settle down, bro. <laughs> uh, it was out, you know, anonymously, this information was fed to us that uh, the man was a registered sex offender. And when we brought the that to the attention of said family-friendly wrestling company, we were blamed for it. That's not true. <laughs> and my favorite part was, well, Jimmy Snuka murdered his girlfriend. Should we stop booking him? Yes, you should. Straight up said that to me. Uh, the fans that were fans of that sh uh, company and our show stopped listening, stopped socializing, moved on. We got ostracized again. Didn't Nothing but grief. There was no clout to get there. Talking about that didn't do me any good. It didn't do Dean any good. It didn't do HIAC any good. Nothing good would have come from that. We would have gained no ground. We could have gotten no goals met. Nothing would have happened from that. Nothing. There's the, what cloud am I, am I chasing? What big, lofty, 
statue am I trying to grab with this? I just want shitty people out of wrestling. But you dumb fucks keep letting them back in. Or ignoring the problem so it goes away and the good people are getting pushed out of the business. While you sit there going, you just jerking each other off online. Go fuck yourself. Demand better. Davey Richards is a piece of shit. Sammy Callahan's a piece of shit. And Jason, the camera guy's a piece of shit. Will be always. Well, what about forgiveness again? What forgiveness? Where was it? You talk about accountability and doing better. Where was it? No one. Nowhere. At any time. So do me a favor. Before you reply to these pricks, do your research on something. They have no idea what's going on. They just want to be involved like everyone else. All they want is clout. I gave up the dream about a year into this. <laughs> I do this for fun. I enjoy doing the show with you, Craig. I enjoy the people that do listen. It's fun to hear feedback. And quite frankly, I love playing games with my friends and people watching online. It's not a lot. It's a little bit. Create to create. And if somebody finds it and finds your work, it's just a bonus. But to throw the word cloud at me, we have no idea, A, who you're talking to, and B, what you're talking about. With you have less than 300, 400 followers while we're talking about clout, <laughs> please, please grow up. Um, so that's why I didn't tell you all the news. Because what would that have gotten me? Except grief for people like you. Know-it-all basement dwellers. They use key phrasing and key words for the business to make himself feel better about themselves because they'll never be in the business. <laughs> That's it. That's how we're opening the show. And before we talk about the few things we have on the list, please, sir, we must catch up on Historian, and I need to take a drink of water. Yes. Uh, Tag and twice is thirsty work. You Everyone sons of that. bitches. You sons of bitches. Yeah, the the basement dwellers never uh, cease to um, amaze me with how uh, low they continue to sink. You know, just so you think you can't get any lower, how low do you have to be to call out someone who's calling out injustice? Um, I don't know. They have plenty of shovels because they can obviously go a lot lower than uh, even we thought we could. And they will. And they will. And they do. But uh, we are going to take the high ground because we are going to rejoice in the fact that uh, pro wrestling, as it once was known, was an incredibly popular sport uh, seen by millions upon millions of people every week, not in the hundreds of thousands. Um, and it was attended by tens of thousands of people in arenas. And coliseums and high school gymnasiums and some cases even football stadiums around this country. An incredible popular sport that brought people together instead of tearing them apart back in the blissful days before there were internet and dirt sheets and Twitter 
there was professional wrestling. And we're going to talk about a week that was a week in pro wrestling that set box office records, that uh, influenced wrestling the way it is now, and truly remarkable events that have stood the test of time. This, gentlemen and ladies, is The Wrestling Historian. We're going to go back in time, and I got to put my glasses on because I have to see into the past much clearer this way. Um, I don't know much about the future, but the past keeps getting clearer every day, if I can quote the Goldbergs. Uh, We're going to go back to a very pivotal date in wrestling history. It was 40 years ago. I cannot believe it was 40 years ago. you were just a young lad of 17. I, I was just a young, <laughs> strapping young lad of 17. Um, actually, I was 16. I hadn't turned 17 yet. Oh, did I t- <laughs> Did I accidentally almost do the right math? Yeah, you, all, you did. You did. Uh, this was the year. 1983 was the year I turned 17. Oh, yeah, that I, was the year I was born. Just like that. Wow. Hey. Oh, well, sorry, Dan, dude. Uh, so many great things happened the year you were born, and one of them occurred March 12th, 1983, at the Greensboro Coliseum, a place that you are familiar with. Um, but on this particular day, um, it was the uh, the main event was the NWA Tag Team Championship, and this card and this bout was a culmination of a three-month feud that had captivated uh, not just the entire Mid-Atlantic region, which was one of the more popular regions, territories in the NWA. Back in the day, kids, uh, wrestling was split up into territories, and some territories were more popular than others instead of just the one-class, two-class system that we have now. Uh, the NWA was the largest pro wrestling organization in the country, and it, there was 35 states that uh, a company that uh, made up the NWA, and one of the, the big territories was the Mid Atlantic region because they boasted some of the best wrestlers on earth, and they were on full display on this night, March 12, 1983. So much so that the Greensboro Coliseum they sold out March 12, 1983. But not only did they sell out, Dan, they turned away. 16,000 fans. Wow. To the point where traffic was backed up through interstates and highways. And things got so bad, they had to cut into the local news and local programming to tell folks, (laughs) if you're heading down to the arena, don't go. It's sold out, and there's no way there. Oh, shit. Uh, this was um, the uh, the culmination of the uh, the one of the great tag team feuds uh, that doesn't get talked about enough. But it was three months, and it was a hot such a hot program that it was the main event at the Greenbro- Greensboro Coliseum, the NWA Tag Team Championship, and the stakes were obviously the belts, um, defended by. Sergeant Slaughter and the late Don Cronodal going up against the incredible popular babyface tag team of Ricky Steamboat and the late Jay Youngblood. Oh, now yeah. this had been 
building for three months, but the matches that they had were absolutely incredible. Singles matches between Cronodal and Youngblood, and obviously Slaughter and Steamboat, because those two can go. But had Jay Youngblood and Ricky Steamboat not won this match in the title, they would have to break up as a team. And they had been a tag team for five years straight. Uh, something in a Ricky Steamboat, it gets passed over, looked over in Ricky Steamboat's incredible single career, which is highlighted by many great singles wins and some of the greatest singles matches of all time. See Ric Flair and Randy Savage. But he was a tag team with Jay Youngblood for five years, um, which even in today's climate is hard to top. But had they lost this bout to Sergeant Slaughter and Don Cronodal, they would have to break up as a tag team. So to ensure no uh, disqualifications or no shenanigans, this was inside a steel cage. And for your homework, kids, please check out the uh, the Sergeant Slaughter, Don Cronodal tag team title cage match against Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood. Just for the sheer volume of noise that took place in the last five minutes. Absolutely incredible. And uh, I have this quote from Ricky Steamboat about that match that took place March 12, 1983. According to Ricky Steamboat, that's always in my memory bank as one of my greatest matches. A three-month program with them, with Slaughter and Cronodal. Everything clicked. You called it a ball of fun. Uh, and the uh, the deafening roar of when they Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood won the NWA Tag Team Championship, absolutely incredible. Um, and even more so, they they exited first. They went out, and the crowd was still standing when they left with the belts. But to watch Sergeant Slaughter and Don Cronodal, the heels still in the ring. And to see Cronodal a bloody mess and Slaughter helping him out, again, to the jeers of the fans. And they weren't throwing anything, but they were just booing them. Now you would get some type of polite applause. But the fact that the heels stayed in the ring after the baby faces had left, uh, that was a sight to behold. And to have Slaughter carrying, helping Cronodal out of the ring. I remember the pictures from uh, the wrestler. Uh, magazine and calling it and the, the t- it made the cover 16,000 fans turned away and the fact that that was the main event the other bouts on the card uh, Roddy Piper defeated Dick Slater um, and the end for the it was for the NWA television championship and what great booking which I don't know why they can't do now Rick, Roddy Piper pinned Dick Slater in 17 minutes and 24 seconds. But the TV title is only up for grabs for the first 15 minutes. So when oh, wow. Piper won, the place went nuts. But because he didn't win within the TV time limit, Dick Slater remained the NWA TV championship. That son of a bitch. You can get Dan, the amount of miles of cards you can get with the NWA TV championship and not just the, the, the mid any TV title. And they did this in Georgia. Uh, they did this in Texas, the TV champion. They did it in Florida. 
The TV title is only on the line for 10 minutes here or 15 minutes there. So if you beat the guy in in 11 minutes on television, doesn't count because the TV title is only on the line for 10 minutes. And yeah, so that was that wasn't again, that wasn't the main event. United States champion Greg Valentine went up against the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Ric Flair. They went to a 60-minute draw. Champion versus champion. Former NWA Tag Team title holders. Ric Flair, the NWA champion, going up against his former tag team partner and the current United States Heavyweight Champion was not the main event. The main event was Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood versus Sergeant Slaughter and Don Carnotal. For the NWA Tag Team Championship. 16,000 fans turned away. One of the fans that wasn't turned away. Was Dusty Rhodes. Because when he saw the amount of people that came out in March. To the Greensboro Coliseum. He thought well hell. They already come out on Thanksgiving. They sell out. And we're selling out in March. Let's see what we can do this Thanksgiving. When I can bring in more wrestlers from other territories, and we'll call it Starcade. Yeah, March twelfth, nineteen eighty three, was the beginning of Starcade. That's where Dusty got the idea from. From that card and that town in Greensboro to put on Starcade, and eight months later, that's exactly what he did. Before but, WrestleMania, yes. Before all of it. Mm-hmm. There was Starcade. There was Starcade. And the seeds with two R's. That's how you, you, you took it apart. But the seeds were planted March 12th, 1983, 40 years ago, the year of our Lord that Dan Kalachika was born. Heck yes. <laughs> and to show you how, clout from ghosts ever since. <laughs> and to show you how popular wrestling wrestling was back then, Dan, that was that March 12, 1983, that took place in Greensboro. Okay. Um a couple of dozen miles to the north that same day, the WWF was going had two shows in Maryland at the same time. In Landover, uh Andre the Giant won a 20-man battle royal, and the WWF champion Bob Backlund pinned the Intercontinental Champion Don Morocco. And later on that night in Baltimore, uh, Bob Backlund defeated Big John Studd by disqualification, and the co-main event was a 10-man tag team champion tag team match, 10-man. Andre the Giant, again, pulling double duty, Going up with teaming up with Jimmy Snuka, Pedro Morales, and Jay and Jules Strongbow to go up against Don Morocco doing double duty, Ray mm-hmm. Stevens, Mr. Fuji, and Afa and Sika, the Samoans. Oh wow. And I put that in there because in during that match, it was a ten man match, so a lot of bodies were flying around. Uh Sika, uh Broke his hip. Sika, the father of, um, oh, no, no, no. He was the, the father of, yeah, I don't know either. No, no, no. Um, Omaga, I apologize. Uh, yeah, correct. Yeah, uh, broke his hip, and that would be his last match ever. 
Um, he was in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. So March 12th, not only in Greensboro, but in Landover and Baltimore, there was wrestling that night. So wrestling was that popular. And I don't know what it is about that date, Dan, but March 12th, 1988, five years later, the WWE, WWF had four events on that same day. Back in Landover, um, they had a matinee. Andre the Giant defeated Bam Bam Bigelow. And in the main event, Hulk Hogan defeated Virgil. <laughs> and that, it, but the matinee did 8,500 fans. In El Paso, that same day, Hacksaw Duggan won an 18-man bunkhouse battle royal, and the Ultimate Warrior defeated King Harley Race. Holy shit. Going west to Chicago. That should not be allowed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, let's hold on that for a second. Okay. Vince should be. We talk about all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. It was. What, what date was that? Did he beat? March um, 12th, 1988. Vince should have been stopped right there. Yes. God damn. But, so in Landover, Maryland, El Paso, sorry. Texas, Chicago, Randy Savage and Strike Force defeated the Honky Talk Man and the Heart Foundation in a cage. And finally, right here! The beautiful air condition filled up his spectrum. Hulk Hogan defeated Ted DiBiase in a lumberjack match in front of 10,731 fans. One could argue that also should have been getting him fired. But I agree, but the, the, the takeaway from all this, Dan, is not, not the lousy booking and not the fact yeah, that sorry, incredibly... Sorry, Talented athletes got beaten in squash by guys that couldn't carry their jock. But the <laughs> fact that four events were going on on at, at the, the same, same time, time, yes, in four different parts of the country, correct. We don't, correct. we can't have that anymore. We no. don't have nice things like that. We never will. Everything happens in one city and on one night. Period. There is no such thing as house shows anymore. You either wrestle on Monday. Tuesday if you're NXT, and Friday, and that's it. But Sidebar. The, yes. Did AEW not have a house show this weekend? They did have a house show this weekend. Okay, that, that wasn't trying to counterpoint no, you. No. It just popped mm-hmm. in my mind when you said that. Go ahead. Yes, and they're trying to pull out house shows because, hey, you know what's a great way to get your younger talent some experience? Because Fucking they, house shows! Yes. So instead of just putting them on national TV when they don't know shit or how to do shit and look terrible in front of everyone, that's what house shows are for. That's how you find out what kind of talent you have. That's how you find out, hey, who's who's over, who connects to the fans, and who do the fans really take to. Those are the people you put on television, not the people you shove down our throats because you like them. What do the fans like? If you listen to the fans, Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs will be on TV every week and not yeah, really Yuta really and Danny Garcia or Orange Cassidy. Okay, I'm going to need you to stop attacking Wheeler Yuta, okay? You're starting to offend me. I'm kidding. No. I'm totally but kidding. I like March- Wheeler Yuta, but I, under- I, I totally get it. I do too. Nothing I understand against yeah. the man, but... God damn it. <laughs> but God damn it. But God damn it. In the words of 
In the words of the great Bill Hicks, God damn it. <laughs> uh, this show you how far we've come TV wise. March 14th, 1987. Saturday night's main event. Now this show was taped in February, February 21st. It aired on March 14th. This will be the last bout last time these people would face off before Wrestlemania uh, Hercules Bobby Heenan's prize would win the Battle Royal but this will be the first time that Andre and Hogan would face off with each other before Wrestlemania and in a rare piece of good booking even a Battle Royal Andre and Hogan never touch each other uh, but Hercules uh, would win the Battle Royal, eliminating his mortal enemy, Billy Jack Haynes. Um, even though Billy Jack Haynes had at one point pressed Hercules over his head and the press slam, slammed him to the mat, you could have just thrown him over the top. But anyway, uh, also, um, Randy Savage uh, defeated Georgie Animal Steel. But the big story was the return of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Hey, we've come full uh, circle, everyone. To uh, face off against Randy Savage, who had crushed his larynx uh, with the ring bell. Uh, but that uh, Saturday night's main event, Savage confrontation with Steamboat, Hogan confrontation against Andre in the Battle Royal, uh, did a, a rating of 11.6. Wow. 11. It's double digits, folks. Eleven! Eleven! <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Eleven point six on, on NBC on network television. On Saturday, on the Saturday nights on the Saturday night lives time slot. Yes. Uh, <laughs> also on this date, um hard to believe God, it was twenty two years ago, uh March fourteenth, two thousand one. The infamous Bob Costas interview with Vince McMahon. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. And uh that same date, uh three years later, uh March 14th, 2004, one of my favorite memories and one of my favorite WrestleManias. Um this because one of the themes of this uh wrestling historian that it's WrestleMania week, Dan. Uh but March 14th, 2004. 19 years ago, uh, WrestleMania 20 took place in Madison Square Garden. Um, uh, we know about uh, Lesnar versus Goldberg. Um, and uh, Eddie Guerrero defeating Kurt Angle. But the picture of the winner of the triple threat match, of Chris Benoit defeating Shawn Michaels and Triple H, and the picture of Eddie Guerrero raising the hand of Chris Benoit and both men being world champion uh, is something I will never forget. Certainly the fans will never forget. Uh, but the biggest thing from that uh, from that, other than those two images was uh, the bout held at Madison Square Garden WrestleMania 20 2004 is still the highest grossing wrestling event ever held in Madison Square Garden. They did a $2.4 million gate that Damn. night. Yeah. For WrestleMania 20. A record that has never been and will likely never will be broken. 
No. No, no. No. Wow. Yeah. Uh, which brings us to March 20th, um, 19... Uh, we'll go back to 1978, because sure. th this one... Um, March 20th is a... Um, we're going to call that Andre the Giant Day because for some reason, March 20th, Andre the Giant is a very busy man. Um, March 20th, 1978, I saw the pictures in the After Magazine and I heard about it through whispers, but I never saw it. Um, I still don't see it. I, I think it's available on YouTube, but 1978, I was my infancy of being a wrestling fan, but at Madison Square Garden uh, with a six-man tag team match. Mr. Fuji and Professor Tanaka took teamed up with Ken Patera to take on the team of Mil Mascaras, Andre the Giant, and Dusty Rhodes. My three favorite wrestlers at the time. Wow. And all three of those guys wrestled in three different parts of the country. And they all came back and teamed up. And I, this was a Monday night in Madison Square Garden. There's no way I would have gone. I was only 11. But that's all I heard about was like, man, Andre teamed up with Dusty and Mil Mascaras. Had to see. And there was just a picture of all three of them in the ring. Dusty had his robe on. Mil had his colorful mask and his cape. And Andre was Andre. But um, yeah, that. Still, it always the kid in me was like that was when I was in my infancy of a mega wrestling fan when I had no access to anything, no internet, no dirt sheets, no nothing. Um, yeah, back when it was real. So Andre was at Madison Square Garden, nineteen seventy eight, teaming with Dusty Rhodes and Mil Mascaras. Five years later, nineteen eighty three, Madison Square Garden was sold out, and Andre teamed up with Jimmy Snuka and Rocky Johnson. They go against Big John Studd and the Samoans. One year later, March 20th, 1984, Madison Square Garden sold out again. Andre teams up with Jimmy Snuka to defeat Roddy Piper and David Schultz. So Andre is in Madison Square Garden seemingly every year on March 20th. Uh, but he wasn't there March 20th, 1994. He because he was dead. <laughs> that, my friend, um, it would be great if you would have been there, but that was a date of WrestleMania 10. Um, one of my, probably my second favorite WrestleMania because of the great matches, Owen Hart versus Bret Hart, the first match of the card. Uh, Bret defeating Yokozuna. Also, in a dark match, uh, the Bushwhackers defeated the Heavenly Bodies. And that would be Jim Cornette's first ever WrestleMania. Um, but the highlight of that card, the first at WrestleMania 10 in Mass Square Garden, um, was the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Shawn Michaels defending his version of the Intercontinental Championship against Razor Ramon. And his version of the Intercontinental Championship in a ladder match. And this is the first time we're talking about it since he's passed away. This is the first time we talked about it since he's passed away. 
<laughs> because uh, the ladder match, that ladder match in Red WrestleMania, will go down as still not only the greatest ladder match in WrestleMania history, and some would argue that the Dudleys, Edge and Christian, and Hardys have some competition, but why I pick the Shawn Michaels Razor Ramon ladder match, um, not only because it set the tone for ladder matches in WrestleMania, which who they didn't wouldn't know would become a thing, but as great a match as it was that put Shawn Michaels on the map, even though he lost, he was after that match, people regarded him as the best wrestler on the planet for what he did. But those guys tore the house down. With one ladder. Oh, <laughs> yeah. They only used yeah. one ladder, folks. Yeah, yeah. one meaning uh, if they broke that, they were screwed. Exactly. There were, no- <laughs> there were none under the ring. Nope. There weren't several set up in- on the entranceway. One take. One take. That's it. That's it. Um, also, uh, a lot of history made, uh, not only was that the first ladder match in, uh, WrestleMania history, uh, accompanying Shawn Michaels to the ring would be his bodyguard Diesel, and that would be Kevin Nash's first WrestleMania, um, and it will also be the first WrestleMania without Hulk Hogan, um, Hogan's streak had stopped at nine, uh, but after Bret Hart won the world Wrestling Federation Championship from Yokozuna, and he was congratulated by all the fellow faces while Owen Hart stood in the entranceway staring daggers. One of the guys who were inviting him to come into the ring was Randy Savage, and that would be Randy Savage's last WrestleMania. So, a lot of history that night, um, but March 20th, 1994, uh, Still one of the greatest cards, one of the greatest WrestleMania cards uh, from top to bottom. Um, and history that uh, still hasn't been duplicated, um, but great matches and great people. And it really showed, you know, what Scott Hall in, in winning that, but showed that, uh, yeah, he was a, he was a top guy. Um, I know that he's one of Derek's, People, we were making, we're talking about a list of guys that should, that were never world champion but should have been. Scott all proved he was a top guy. I still wouldn't put uh, the world title on him only because he's he's Scott Hall, and this is independent of his his demons and how he was. But Scott Hall, um, if you liked you, he'd work with you, and he'd give you a great match. If he didn't like you, you wouldn't get a good match out of him. And Scott Hall had the honor of going up against some really talented players. And obviously, with a guy like Sean, who he's eight inches taller and outweighs by 100 pounds, but they can have the best match on the card. Scott Hall can wrestle any style. Um, but when he's in against really good workers, like a Jeff Jarrett or a Shane Douglas, guys that can work just as well, maybe not at the level of Shawn Michaels, but can put on a great match, but because Scott didn't like them, they didn't have good matches. So that's why I stopped short of putting the belt on Scott Hall. Go ahead. 
I would I would I would take the I would take the chance. Yeah. I would I would have given Scott the belt. So see and just see. Uh, should have got one try. Yeah. I would have. And 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 that's just my personal but obviously yeah. Dan well, in that well, era. Craig. No, yeah, but, but in that era putting the belt on someone that was super over um made sense. And whether or not they were fit for the title, because it's still and will forever boggle my mind how Vader never got a title run, yet Sid got two. Because you talk about a guy, you talk about a head case, a guy that you should never put a world title on. Yeah. 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 But here was Sid, two time. And a guy who beat uh, not beat Shawn Michaels and beat Bret Hart for the uh, for the world title, but no, but um, yeah, but uh, this is the first time we talked about WrestleMania ten since the the passing of Scott Hall. Um, can never take away uh, how great he was, how influential he was in, in so many great moments like this one, like showing up on Nitro, um, like the Bash at the Beach. He was a, a pivotal part and a big part of wrestling history, world title or not. But the the match that took place 19 years ago, or almost 29 years ago, sorry. Um, I, say I felt younger. For a yeah. <laughs> In 1994, the latter match heard around the world. Um, he, he made it he made it iconic. And uh, we can talk about Shawn Michaels, but he could not have done it without Scott Hall. And for that, we will always be grateful to you, Mr. Hall. And that, gentlemen and ladies, is a wrestling historian. And you can follow me on Facebook. You have one more thing, my friend. One more thing? You have one more thing. One more thing? We'll have one more thing. Yeah, one more thing? Yes, sir. We have one more thing. Uh, It was announced today that a certain somebody is going into the WWE Hall of Fame. Now, you and I have talked at great length uh, before how we love bringing this subject up, but with the preface that we know it's bullshit because there's no building. It's not It's it's not a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I've seen a lot of discourse the last couple of days. Discourse. Mm-hmm. I've ever heard. Um, of Andy Kaufman. Yes. Being... Uh, Inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a doubt. No doubt in my mind. Mm-mm. Just for that small period of time. But I wanted your thoughts because we have talked about it at great length. Yeah. Uh, the feud between him and Jerry Lawler, mm-hmm. which went on for a long time, long time, built up, built up, exploded, and it was over. It was one of the best things. And I always like bringing this up. It was one of the best storylines in wrestling in the 80s or ever. Yeah. Well, the other reason why I like bringing it up now is as I remember recently my dad, and he always busted my chops about <laughs> watching wrestling and what do you see in it and me trying to me just saying the words, it's just a television show like you watch. How many times have you watched CSI? <laughs> over and over and over again. <laughs> the same thing. And I finally, in 38 years, or 37, however old I was at the time, years finally made it click for him. I don't know why it took this long, but I brought up 
Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler. And I said to him, do you remember when Andy Kaufman wrestled that guy, that wrestler? Yeah, he broke his neck. Yeah, that I remember that. Yeah, that wasn't real, Dad. And I just saw the look at his face go, oh. And he's never brought it up again. Mm-hmm. He has never brought up wrestling again. He always used to bring it up when I mentioned it. He doesn't say a darn thing now. And this is not a, I got you, dad. It's not about that. It was like, a, finally, the son told the father something. Oh, I understand now, son. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> and it was Lawler. And Ca- that man never watched wrestling. This wasn't even a thing where he watched it as a kid. And then as he grew up, mm-hmm. was like, this is stupid. I don't know why I watched it. Roller derby, though. Oh, yes. All over that. That's real, yeah. Yes, yes, but to, but the wrestling it was something you never under you ne- never got to, but that mm-hmm. that breached his yeah. circle of knowledge that year when that happened. That is how big the Andy Kaufman Jerry Lawler thing was, and mm-hmm. just for that alone, I feel <laughs> that it's absolutely worthy of us of this induction. Just to PS it. All those other unworthy, air quote, motherfuckers that are in the WWE Hall of Fame that don't have a a scintilla of recognition that that has or in there is reason enough. I'm dying to know how you feel about this. Uh, Well, you know what? When I first saw it, I I tweeted you immediately. Yes. um, uh, Yes, that's right. You broke it to me. Yeah, that it that it was about fucking time, and I know this was all Triple H. I know, and uh, not to sp- well, I am going to speak ill of all. And well, once as soon as Vince was out of the way, we we're going to see some whole. I I knew we were going to see some wholesale changes. Not only bringing back uh, folks that never should have been let go in the first place, but we're going to recognize some people in the Hall of Fame that should have been recognized a long time ago, um, and namely Andy Kaufman, um. And if this is the start, and you know, obviously, I've always been a champion for Cindy Lauper. But if we're going chronological, if there was no Andy Kaufman, there would have been no Cindy Lauper. Um, as far as celebrities being involved in wrestling and giving wrestling the a national spotlight, Andy Kaufman did it first. I uh, obviously wrestling had been on the national spotlight back in the fifties on network television, but when Andy Kaufman, who was not this. I mean, if for wrestling purposes, he was the star of a top five network show. He was not the star of Taxi, but Taxi was seen by 32 million people every week on network television. 32 million a week, folks. Nothing to sneeze at. There's nothing you could say that could debate that you don't understand or grasp how much that is. Yes. Other than a number. <laughs> so Andy Kaufman was not to qu- to quote him he was a star a celebrity people around the country knew who he was st- because he was part of a top 5 television show and he would go on he would go when he wasn't doing his act when he was doing his, his locket character he would go on talk shows that were highly rated talk shows 
Um, You're so stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am doing my my impression of uh, the Archie Bunker. Yeah, uh, bunker. <laughs> hey, you get off of my lawn. Hey, hey, the dingbat getting in the kitchen and making the food and washing the clothes. Uh, but he grew up a wrestling fan. Grew up in New York and yeah. loved Buddy Rogers and uh, was there, <laughs> according to him. He was there March May 17, 1963, when Buddy Rogers lost the World Wrestling Federation Championship to Bruno Sammartino in 48 seconds. But he saw the the the, the match didn't last long, but the crowd that reacted to Buddy Rogers, he saw that and he gravitated towards that. So he always loved wrestling and wanted that to take to get that kind of response. And Andy Kaufman, labeled as a comedian, but he'll say He's never told a joke in his life, and he's correct. He was <laughs> true. <laughs> he, he, but he was a guy that elicited reactions. So after his Locket character got over, because he called that character Foreign Man, it didn't even have a name. The network gave him that the name of the his character Locket Gravis. But he, when he would perform at the uh, the Laugh House or Catch a Rising Star in Los Angeles, it wouldn't be that. It would be something. He would pull out a copy of The Great Gatsby and start reading it to the audience. Straight up. The, straight up just reading it. And the audience would laugh at first, but by the time he got to page 15, they realized it wasn't a, a gag and he wasn't going to stop. They would start booing him. And he would go, he, uh, guys, if you keep booing, I can't finish the book. All right? We got a lot of pages to go here. Uh... He wasn't kidding. Other times he would take his entire he would when he performed at uh the comedy cellar in New York, he took the whole crowd that would come to see him at one AM and there'd be milk and cookies out for everyone in the audience. Um after he was done shooting taxi, he would go to a local restaurant and he would be a busboy. And and none of this was for for jokes or he was just this is something he would do to elicit a reaction. He couldn't believe when people saw that this was Andy Kaufman that was wiping down my table after I ate. He liked the idea, and he would go to wrestling at Madison Square Garden once a month. He was even interviewed by Vince McMahon uh, and got his picture taken with Andre the Giant. And uh, he was when you, if you see the uh, the interview that he did with Vince, it was in the Jerry Lawler uh, A and E biography last Sunday. But he wasn't very forthcoming because. I think at this point he already approached Vince's father about coming in and wrestling women. What Andy Kaufman would do would go on talk shows like the Merv Griffin show or Mike Douglas. And even on Saturday night live, he pick out women from the audience to wrestle them. Um, so on, on Saturday night live, when he did it, he had buddy Rogers himself introduce him. And this was the first time Buddy Rogers had been in New York City since he had lost the championship. Uh, so that was a big deal just for wrestling fans and for Buddy Rogers in particular to be not only on network TV, where he was a huge star in the, in the late 50s, early 60s, but to be introducing Andy Kaufman on Saturday Night Live to wrestle women. Uh, and he would do it legitimately. Uh the hard part was him trying to cover his erection uh, after he had beaten these women. And after Vince Sr. said, no, we don't, I don't want to deal with any celebrities in, in wrestling. I don't want that in my ring. That's um, irony for you. Yeah. 
Uh, and it was Bill After who took the pictures of Andy backstage with Andre the Giant and the other wrestlers and with Freddie Blassie. Uh, he said, well, um, I got a friend, Jerry Lawler. I think you would, you would like this. And Andy flew down to Memphis, saw the crowd that Jerry Lawler was getting, saw the reaction that Jerry Lawler was getting, and thought, why don't I bring my act here? He called Jerry Lawler and said, I want to start wrestling women here. And when you get, when we get, well, I feel like I've got enough heat, then I want you to step in. He wrestled, he, he would go every week, and it was wrestling every Monday uh, in, um, in the Mid-South Coliseum. He'd pick a woman out of the audience, he'd berate her, he'd berate everyone in Memphis, he'd pin her. Uh, and then the third week, there was a wrestler named Foxy, big black woman, that I have to tell people that was not Sapphire. People try to think that was Sapphire, that Dusty Rhodes is valet. It was well, not. Well, Craig, you know all black people look the same. Obviously, but mm. this one was not her. But anyway, she gave Andy a run for her money. And uh, even though she lost, people yes. saw how, <laughs> how much fight he gave. So Jerry Lawler went on TV, and he saw what Andy Kaufman was doing, and he said, well, I saw what Foxy did, and I thought if I can get with her and show her a few pointers, she might be able to beat him. So the next week, Foxy went back with Jerry Lawler in her corner, and she did a lot better. Um, we can see Andy going with some of the throws because Foxy was just picking him up and throwing him around, and Andy would sell. Uh, and But when Andy finally beat her, uh, and he wouldn't get off her. He'd stay, he'd, he had her, her, his knees on her shoulders, and he wouldn't. And then Jerry Lawler came in and just took Andy and threw her away, and the crowd went nuts. And he was finally, Andy Kaufman was on his ass, and Andy Kaufman grabbed the microphone. You don't touch me, Lawler! I will sue you! I'm from Hollywood! I'm a star! You don't touch me, baby! And we were off and running. And that made Jerry Lawler on uh, talk about it on his on Memphis TV. That made all the local Tennessee news, and even in ABC, it said Jerry, that Andy Kaufman, star, one of the stars of Taxi, went down to Memphis and got into a, a, a heated argument with a local wrestler there named Jerry Lawler. Well, April 5th, 1982, we're coming up on the anniversary, Dan, of Jerry Lawler versus Andy Kaufman. Um, we'll talk about that then. We're going to keep you in we're suspense. Gonna keep it there. We're going to keep you in suspense. Well, uh, obviously, that match didn't go in Andy's favor. We'll talk about it in discussion, but it made national news everywhere. Andy Kaufman of the hit TV show Taxi was in the hospital, courtesy of Jerry Lawler. <laughs> Who is Jerry Lawler? Well, I hate him. Look what he did to Andy Kaufman. I love Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman stayed in the hospital in Memphis General for three days. It's the greatest heel work, almost almost the greatest heel work ever. The Washington Post, the New York Times, uh, well, the, the Memphis Herald had him on the cover of the of the newspaper. But everyone, newspapers from around the country were interviewing Andy Kaufman. This made the world news tonight. This was on network news that local comedian Andy Kaufman was has been hospitalized. For three days following his wrestling match with Jerry Lawler. 
Um, then in, in July 28th, Andy Kaufman called Jerry Lawler, said, hey, do you want to be on the David Letterman show? Keep in mind, from April to July, everywhere Andy Kaufman was seen in public, he had a neck brace on. Yep. Selling it. Selling the pile drivers he got. When he appeared on Taxi, had the neck brace on. He got to Jared, to David Letterman. Um, and Letterman, this is the first year that David Letterman was on TV. So it wasn't even on, it wasn't on every local market. So I didn't see it. Because David Letterman in 1982 wasn't seen in Philadelphia, wasn't shown in Philadelphia. But enough people watched David Letterman. So when uh, they encountered each other, and the original plan was Jerry Willard was going to come out, Andy Kaufman was going to come out, they were going to talk about the match, Andy Kaufman was going to apologize to Jerry Lawler, Jerry Lawler was going to apologize to Andy Kaufman, then they'd walk over to Paul Schaefer, and Paul would start playing the piano, and they would sing What the World Needs Now is Love Sweet Love as a duet. And that it would be over. Thing is, neither Andy Kaufman nor Jerry Lawler wanted it to be over. And Andy called Jerry the night before going on Letterman. And he said, do you hear what they want us to do? And Jerry Lawler said, yeah. And Andy goes, I don't think he should do it. You know what would be cool? If he just slugged me. And Jerry said he didn't say, you know, hit or punch. He used the old fashioned forty. What if you slugged me? And Jerry said, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hit you, Andy. He said, yeah, but it would be it would be something though, right? And Jerry thought about it. They were only supposed to be on for two seconds. <laughs> well, spoiler alert. And but Jerry knew that once they were because they weren't the only guests, because once their segment was over. So was their feud. So as much as we talk about Will Smith and Chris Rock, the first slap heard around the world was Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman. Uh, again, national news everywhere. And it put professional wrestling on the map and made Jerry Lawler a household name outside of Memphis for the first time. Um but that because was out, of, outside household name for unfortunate other reasons, but yeah, he's still he's still kicking. Yeah, he's still kicking. But Andy Kaufman, though, was the celebrity that put wrestling that shined the spotlight on professional wrestling, and that had never been had hadn't been that clear before, and the timing was uh, almost crucial. As for uh, because wrestling was seen as just uh, a sport that was rough and tough and tumble, and then a, two months later, Hulk Hogan appeared in Rocky Three, hmm. and was a national made national news in a different way. Hmm. So while Jerry Law, so while Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler was on David Letterman, had a bad experience. Hulk Hogan went on Johnny Carson with a different experience, but Andy Kaufman. His love of wrestling put professional wrestling on the spotlight. And Jerry Lawler even said in his book all the times that Andy Kaufman 
appeared in Memphis. And after that slap, he still kept driving. He still kept making his appearances in Memphis. Um, paid wrestlers to come in and, and injure Jerry Lawler, to cripple Jerry Lawler. <laughs> uh, even uh, he and Jimmy Hart teamed up against Jerry Lawler. And Jerry La- and Jimmy Hart and Andy Kaufman had a falling out to the point where Kaufman said, I hate Jimmy Hart and I want to team with Jerry Lawler to get Jimmy Hart. Oh, that's and, right. Right, yes. I forgot. And Jerry said, okay, I'll team with you on one condition. After this, you don't have anything else to do with wrestling. You quit wrestling altogether. And Andy Kaufman said, fine, you're right. I won't I won't ever wrestle again if you team me we this once and we beat Jimmy Hart. Andy Kaufman turns on Jerry Lawler and all uh. three of them. And he's still and this went on for another year. Um up until sadly his death uh in nineteen eighty four. But Jerry Lawler even said in his book, all the times that Andy Kaufman wrestled for me, with me, all of his appearances in the Memphis after he, he died and uh, his widow was going through his uh, estate, they found all the checks that Jerry Lawler had sent him for his appearances, for his wrestling in Memphis, and none of them were cashed. Oh, that's right. I forgot that. That wasn't about that. He just wanted to be a wrestler. Just wanted to be a wrestler. Yeah. So Andy Kaufman and always the... dreamed of wrestling. But the the debate rages on, Dan. Who should induct him? Oh. Uh can I know Jerry had a stroke, but I know he really shouldn't be on TV because of, you know. Yeah. Um Is it Jimmy Hart? I uh, Yeah. I, I was gonna say one of uh his taxi co-stars, maybe DeVito, but I guess since it's wrestling related, it would always have to be, it would almost have to be someone in wrestling. So I don't know. Yeah. I Someone maybe <laughs> I heard this interesting scenario that it'd be Jerry Lawler that would induct Andy Kaufman, but accepting would be Tony Clifton. But Jim Carrey is Tony Clifton. Are they are they talking anymore? Jim and uh No. No, that'd be great though. That would yeah. be good. Yeah. I liked the ending of that movie. I, I know it wasn't a pleasant experience, so it's not as pleasant to watch anymore. Mm-hmm. But I love that little hook. Yeah, at the end. That yeah. very Andy Kaufman esque mm-hmm. hook at the end where it was like hmm. oh, uh, maybe? Maybe. Uh, uh, it, but you see Zamuda, who yeah. supposedly was the other Clifton, at yeah. the back of the, cl- at the clapping, back, you're like, clapping, yeah. And I know, hey. as a kid, I was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. maybe wait." No, he's very dead, folks. Yeah. Well, uh, even uh, badass says, "Are those checks still good? Where are they? Just wondering for science." <laughs> uh, I think the statue made it made it run out. Um, Bob Zamuda's still alive, so Zamuda could always induct him. Yeah, uh, I yeah, well. but but. Mm-hmm. I'd be okay with that. You and I would understand who that is, but who would understand who that is around there? Yeah, I I still think it should be it should be Lawler. I still think he, he should. Be I really it. do. Is he okay after? I know he had a minor stroke and he's okay. But yeah, um, um, he was just well. Uh, I know you don't watch them, but um, the A and E bio it's 
we're doing I 80. Dude, they're all stacked on my DVR. Okay. Like, well, Jerry Lawler's was two days ago, and the they just covered his final final match, um, which took place what um, in January of this year, or in, so. Let's hope hope that was fine. Yeah, but he. But I mean, my point is, he looks great and he sounds great, and he's doing great. So, well, just keep young. Anyway, yes. Uh, but Andy Kaufman in the Hall of Fame, and also see Triple H's influence. Not only is Andy Kaufman in, but this year it hasn't been revealed yet. They're going to induct a referee into the WWE Hall of Fame. I don't know who it's going to be. Oh, I mean, if they're going to WWF route. It might be uh, a, a Dick Worley or Danny Davis. Tim what? Tim White. It should be God. It should be Tommy Young if you're going to put a referee. Oh yeah, there. yeah. And we also got what? Great Muda. That's who I that thought you were going to. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going with, but you went yeah. the able, you went the other way. So yes, yeah, please. Is. That is so incredible because all that means is I'm going to be inundated with Muda footage. And I never get tired of seeing him drop that elbow. And he has since retired. And let me just say, I paid for those those two matches with yeah. glee. Yes. And he still looks like Muda. Mm-hmm. Not one complaint for me, other than the, you know, we, we talk about the uh the Ric Flair stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I thought it was it odd. It is. Yeah, I thought it was odd that a Ric Flair was the one to announce it. That uh the great Muda was going into the Hall of Fame. Um, Keep him off my TV, please. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, but, Angel but, Hernandez, no. But who's going to induct him? I think it should Muda? be... Steve. Yeah, I think it should be staying. Uh, listen, he didn't burn a bridge. Nope. He's just working. Mm-hmm. Get his ass over there. Yeah. Get Sting over there to do it. Yeah. No reason why it can't be. Mm-mm. And uh, if you haven't... Uh, um, I love this man. I love this man more than words could uh, say. And I'm talking about Sting, but uh, there's a wrestling personality that I follow on Twitter for years. And for years, his name's C. It's at Seahawk. C-E-E Hawk. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a, a writer. He's a ring announcer. He's an announcer. But he writes for The Ringer. And for years, and I love this guy, but the only thing I thought I didn't like about him was he would talk shit about Sting on Twitter. He's like, I don't get why he's popular. I don't get it. Just to twist it on us at the end of the year that this whole time he was working with Sting, and he wrote an amazing article and interview about Sting. And it's nice. I'll just just say it like this. It's nice to know that are born-again Christians out there that aren't just blue. <laughs> okay? Yeah. And that made my heart flutter because I'm like, hey, thank you. you. I know Steve has a brain. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> uh, it's not Dan Housen either, badass. Uh, with that being said, uh, like typical old badass timing, she is here. It is time for us to end. We've been, sh- I've been streaming for two, three hours and 20 minutes. My foot hurts. My ass hurts. My brain hurts. It's time to stop. Craig, where can people follow you? Uh, they can follow me and my tired ass, too. Um, well, I'm old, so I that's why I'm in so much pain. Um, 
I was born before 1983. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Facebook, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Craig Lagon, C-R-A-I-G-L-I-G-G-E-O-N-S. Tomorrow, I'm getting my x-ray taken with an animal x-ray machine. So, Ooh. Uh, yeah. Thank you. I don't think it's broken, but uh, I don't care. It should be Dan Housen. That would be funny. Dan Housen. I know you don't like Dan Housen. And fuck you, Craig. You're wrong. No, I'm serious. No, I'm not serious. I meant that. Don't be serious. If you oh, if you want to if you want to induct a great Muda, do not put Dan Housen anywhere near just that comes man. Comes out just the, and you're the, just like Boo! The, the the fact that they're recognizing a guy that's never set foot in the WWE, uh, and the amount of influ- the how influential he is, he deserves as much serious props as you can sure. get. Especially the number of idiots. Oh, who's the great Muda? I never heard of him. He never oh. wrestled here, so he doesn't exist. I know. Badass knows who the great mood is. Better. Uh, she does. I know for okay. a fact she does. And if she doesn't, we're never going to tell you, Craig. Uh, but it should be Sting. Um, yeah. Craig, go ahead. I'm sorry. Where can people follow you? I ended your intro, I, outro. I'm so sorry. Uh, I finished my outro, so you can follow Well, me. I wasn't paying attention. Sorry. I was reading uh, Badass. Go ahead. <laughs> you can follow me again on Facebook, Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, at Craig Lagon, C R A I G L I W G E O N S. And Amber is not on social media despite no. the number of pleas, but she is still undefeated, cutest cat on God's green earth. <laughs> she looks thrilled that you're holding her like that. Yes. <laughs> uh, by the way, Badash does know who Great Mood is. She just Googled him, which is still props because, wait, still mm-hmm. props because at least she was like, let me look that up instead of going, who's fucking great mood? I don't know who that is. And you have to remember, she's 30 years younger than both of us. And 60 no. years younger than you, Craig. Follow me on Twitter. I'm kidding. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter. At TanLaw83. And for you motherfuckers that say I'm chasing clout, um, the check's in the mail. I got you, boys. Um, at the end of my penis. Keep it on the paper. Bye! <laughs>